that was uh, all to put you asleep. Now this is to keep you awake. All right. Thank you for the music and the people who are involved. That uh, always makes Easter nice. Turn back to John chapter 11. Ron read this passage to us a few minutes ago. This is Easter Sunday. To our Jewish friends, of course, this would be the day of first fruits after Passover and uh, then the Sabbath day. Then they celebrated first fruits and it began the countdown to Pentecost. Fifty days later, on that Sunday morning, they had the Feast of Pentecost. But to Christians, to us, this is the day of Christ's resurrection. That's exactly what it is. And that is why churches uh, to this day still meet on Sunday morning because that's the day of the resurrection of our Lord. Uh, the Bible calls it the first day of the week sometimes or the Lord's day. But of course, the, the resurrection is the basis for our faith. If Jesus did not come out of the grave bodily and ascend back to the right hand of the Father, we have no salvation. There are uh, things that go along with Easter uh, that have kind of gathered together throughout the year. Uh, I, I might call pagan things like uh, Easter bunnies and eggs. Bunnies and eggs don't go together, uh, but they got connected with Easter that way. Maybe there's no harm to it. Uh, there is Lenten and things like that, teaching for doctrine, the commandments of men, I think. And uh, there are some things that are nice but unnecessary. A sunrise service is nice if you can get up and go to one, no harm done. Sometimes those kinds of things are fun. Sometimes they're symbolic and, and do some uh, remind us of good things that way. Of course, to some, Easter is just an ob uh, obligatory thing. Uh, it's the other day of the, of the year they come to church, <laughs> you know, so maybe Christmas, maybe Easter. Uh, they always say to me, I heard you preach the same thing last time I was here, so uh, come more often maybe. But to us, it is the unique thing, the necessary thing, the powerful thing is that Jesus arose. We have a gospel, you know, and the gospel is defined for us in the scripture. Remember 1 Corinthians 15? And it goes like this, Paul wrote, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. And then he says, For I delivered unto you that which I received, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That, of course, is the gospel. It is the message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But, of course, there's a, a belief on that. And even Paul said to the Thessalonians, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then we will come with him when he comes at his second coming. We have to believe it. So our gospel is good news. That's what uh, evangelization means. The word evangel means EU, uh, good and angel, good angel, good news, a good message. And so that's a requirement. And why is it good news? Why is this uh, message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ good news? Because we have to die. And what's going to happen to you when you die? Uh, the writer of Hebrews, of course, put it this way, it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And so, when you die, you're going to stand before God. And so you need help. <laughs> you need uh, redemption, salvation. 
And it is specifically in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that you will be able not only to die, but to stand before God, absolved of your sins and forgiven through the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a great thing that is. Death is coming. Judgment is waiting. Just the other day, yesterday, I guess, we uh, uh, went and visited the, the Truman Library and Museum. Uh, uh, Terry and Deborah like to go to all the presidential museums all over the country. Last time they were here, they drove all the way out to, to uh, the Eisenhower one and back. So we thought, well, we'll take them down here. It's a shorter trip. But you know, when you see museums like that, and I was reminded, the 20th century has been a century of death and dying, hasn't it? I mean, Truman himself, and, and like Eisenhower and others, veterans of World War I, then leaders in World War II, and then into the Korean War, and we thought it was all done by then. No, it's not. And then we have Vietnam, then the Gulf, and, and so forth. And uh, you look at those kinds of things, and you realize uh, Jesus, or, or God said to Adam, the day you eat of thereof, thou shalt surely die, and it's still been going on. And we don't know how or when uh, that will happen to us, but we know that it will. But what we know on Resurrection uh, Sunday and what we remind ourselves of is that there is hope and there is victory. And that victory is in the fact that Christ had victory over the, over the grave, and we can too. So in our passage, in this short uh, familiar few verses here in John chapter 11, at the graveside of Lazarus, when he had died, and Jesus uh, will uh, raise him from the dead, of course, uh, before this chapter is over, we have kind of a catechism here. You know, a catechism is an old word for a lesson. And uh, those old catechisms uh, were uh, question and answer things. And here uh, Martha is asking the question, and Jesus is giving her the answers and asking her questions that she has to answer. So it's kind of a catechism. So I, I, want, you to do, I want you to help me preach this sermon this morning, all right? Uh, the question is, what is resurrection, right? That's the title of this message. And you'll notice on your bulletin that there are five answers, all right? So uh, you ask the question with me. Question number one is, say it with me, what is resurrection? Answer number one, resurrection is a person. And notice when we look at this passage, Jesus again is answering Martha and says, I am the resurrection and the life. The first answer to that question is that resurrection is a person, and that is specifically Jesus Christ. It's kind of interesting in Scripture when he says, I am. There are other places where he says that. For example, you remember John 18 when they came to arrest him in the garden. And uh, he said, uh, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said these exact same words, I am. In that language, he was saying it twice, I, I am. There are two words there, I, I am. And the soldiers fell down to the ground when he said that because they realized that what he was saying is, I am the I am. I am uh, Jehovah. I am that I am, as he said to Moses. And so this same Lord Jesus in the book of Revelation will say, I'm the beginning and the ending. I am the first and the last. I'm Alpha and Omega. I am uh, he which is, which was, which is to come. And I am that I am. And so he is the living God. Notice then when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am both of these things. For those of you who like grammar, Linsky put it this way, two articles with a double predicate are identical and interchangeable. 
When he says, I'm the resurrection and the life, you can't have one without the other because he is both. He is resurrection, and so there's going to be life. He is life, so there's going to be resurrection. And that is the person that we've put our faith in. He is the life from the beginning. As a matter of fact, listen to John recording in other places. John 1 verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And by the way, that word life is the word zoe, uh, which always in the Bible means eternal life, not just bios, uh, biological life, not even suke, the psychological life, or pneuma, the spirit life, but rather I am the life, the eternal life. John 5, 26, for as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. I am the life, he says. And in 1 John, when John writes his letter, he said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and we have looked upon, our, our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested unto us. And in chapter 5, he said, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That is, this eternal life. So here is Jesus on this uh, week before his, his own crucifixion, actually, the week before he'll die, walking in a cemetery. After all, that's where they had put Lazarus. Have you ever walked around in a cemetery and said, isn't life great? <laughs> you know, as, as somebody said, they put fences around cemeteries because people are dying to get in. I mean, you're walking, you're walking over bones. You're walking over centuries, maybe, of, of dead people. Cemetery means death. And here is Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Life is in me. And so the answer to que the, the question, the first answer is, resurrection is a person. Ask the question again. What is the question? What is resurrection? You, you don't sound too into it here. Maybe that food uh, from breakfast is getting you. What is resurrection? Second answer to that in the second part of verse 25 is resurrection is a belief. So he will say then, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You have to believe. Faith is the noun. Belief is the verb. You have to take this action. You have to believe in him. And believing is not just your opinion about things. Believing is a requirement. You have to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So literally, it's the one believing, he that believeth, the one believing. And then he says this, though he dies. I'm reminded of Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and you know why? Because you will. <laughs> though you die, though he dies, uh, and all of us will die. Isn't it kind of funny that he's, then he says, yet he lives. If you believe and if you put your faith and trust in this person, then you will live rather than die. It's, it's hard for us to understand. But he is saying these things at least. Death, first of all, is not a cessation of being. You don't just die and that is it. Regardless of what Stephen Hawking thought or anybody else, uh, when you die, you live forever. You will exist forever somewhere. 
It is not a cessation. It's not soul sleep. It's not that you, uh, you, you go to sleep and don't know anything until the end of the world or something like that, because to be absent from that body, of course, is to be present with the Lord. And, folks, sorry to inform you, but you will not become an angel uh, or a ghost. You weren't one here on earth. <laughs> you won't be one in heaven. Uh, that's not where angels or, or spirits come from, but rather he lives. If you believe in this person, and if you, if you put your faith in him, then he says, you shall live. So there's a third answer to the question. The question is what? What is resurrection? Number three, resurrection then is a life. And notice then verse 26. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. But I have to dwell on that word whosoever uh, a little bit, don't I? What does John 3.16 say, the verse that you know well? Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what? Whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I'm telling you on the authority of God's word, if you're within the hearing of this gospel, that whosoever means you too. You can do this. He died for you. And somebody says, well, I, I'm too bad to be saved. No, if that's what you realize you are, you're ready to be saved. You've come to the place where you realize you need to be saved. But notice this and in here. Isn't this kind of interesting? He that liveth and believeth shall never die. So let me remind you of this. First of all, everyone will live forever somewhere. If you just live without believing, you will still live. As a matter of fact, though Jesus doesn't talk about it in this passage, we know that there is an eternity for those who do not believe, but that eternity is a separation from God and in a place called hell, the lake of fire, and it is forever. The Bible might call it an eternal death rather than an eternal life. And so no one should think, well, I don't want to believe because I don't want to go to heaven. I'll just die. That doesn't happen either. But then he says, whosoever liveth and believeth. If you live and believe, some people will live as unbelievers forever in the lake of fire, but others will live as believers forever in the presence of God, in heaven, and so forth. Now that person shall never die, the verse says. As a matter of fact, In that language that Jesus was speaking and that John recorded in, there's a double negative here. He will know by no means shall he die. And as I understand it, in that language, you can't get a stronger negative than that. No, in no means, Jesus said. No way, we might say today, will that person die. Now, you still, we look at it and we say but I'm going to die. <laughs> the Bible says I'm going to die. How, how is this? Well, first of all, let me remind you of verse 11 in this chapter where he comes to the graves of, of Lazarus who has been dead for three days. And these things said he after that he said unto them, our friend Lazarus, what? Sleepeth. I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And so the Bible, first of all, we remember, has this euphemism for death, calls it sleep. How many times have you stood at a graveside from someone you love or someone you knew, and basically you realize you would see them again? 
Death is like sleep, that is the body, and it will be resurrected one day. So here was Lazarus sleeping for three days. Jesus woke him up, but in actuality, he brought him back to life. So first of all, remember that your death is simply a sleep of the body, but your spirit is in the presence of the Lord. But the other thing I think that we, we gain from this is that death is simply an instant where, uh, where we pass from this existence to the next existence. We don't cease to exist at that point. Nothing, uh, you know, our soul doesn't go, uh, go away. We are simply leaving this room and going to the next one. We call it death, and we have to pay that last debt we have to our sin, and that is that death. But the fact is, immediately, you are somewhere else. Remember these solemn verses in Luke 16, in that story that Jesus gave about the, uh, Abra- the, the beggar and the rich man, and both of them died. And he said, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. He died, but he's alive. <laughs> he died, but he didn't die. He's with Abraham. But it also says then immediately afterwards, the rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. He didn't cease to exist either. And immediately upon what we call death, he was in the, uh, hell in torment at that very instant. So I think we have to understand that, of course, that's what Jesus is saying here. Though we will die physically, this dust has to return unto the the earth from which it was. The Spirit shall return unto God who gave it, Solomon wrote. So, number three, resurrection is a life, and you want to have a life with Christ. What is the question again? What is resurrection? Number four, answer is resurrection then becomes a question. And we see that then. Uh, in the second half of verse 26, where he simply says, the new King James has, do you believe this? Believest thou this? Do you believe it? I'm asking you the same question. Do you believe it? That is, Mary, uh, you know, will say yes in a minute. But, you know, many people, many people say yes to that question who don't know what they're talking about. Many people say yes to that question, and they are thinking, I'm hearing it. I hear what you say. Other people might say, I understand what you're saying. I've heard that preached before. I, I believe that, that that's what the Christians say, you might say. But do you believe it? That is, trust, accept, commit yourself to it. That is what believing is. You're not just hearing it, not just understanding it, but committing yourself to it. It's like that rescue you see, you know, after a hurricane like Katrina where the flood is up to the top of the houses and there are people sitting on the top of the houses and the boats come by and they say, praise the Lord, we're going to be rescued. Well, not until you do something, and that is what? Get in that boat. You have to commit yourself to that boat. Jesus comes by and you may say, praise the Lord, we have a Savior. Praise the Lord, He is risen. But until you get in that, until you commit yourself to Him, then there's not eternal life. And so there's a proper question. Preachers have been asking it ever since. The Lord asked it, the apostles asked it, and in the end, God will ask it. Believest thou this? And when you stand before God, you will have to give an honest answer to that. 
But lastly, what's the question again? What is resurrection? Lastly, and we turn to verse 27, resurrection then becomes a confession. Notice how Martha puts it. She said unto him, yea, Lord, yes, of course, yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which the Bible has spoken of for, for hundreds or thousands of years that should come into the world. I know who you are. Notice in this confession, she knows that he is Lord. She knows that he is Jehovah, that he really is the life, uh, that the one that spoke to Moses on, on the mountain and said, I am that I am. I know, Lord, who you are. I know that you are the Christ. I know that you are the God-man. You are divine because you came from God. You are human because you're living in this body. You are the Christ and you are the Son of God. That means, of course, in their vernacular, I know that you are divine. I know that you are God in the flesh. Those things become a requirement. As a matter of fact, let me remind you, uh, you know, of course, Romans 10, 9, and 10. What does it say? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, he is Lord, he is Christ, and believe in thine heart that what? God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You believe in those things, and so it becomes a requirement even of our salvation. So whoever calls on the name of that Lord will be saved. And here's Martha saying, yes, Lord, I believe. I commit myself to you. Millions of people today, I think, are dying and saying, thinking they are dying in belief, but, but are missing heaven by 18 inches between the head and the heart. They are uh, giving assent to it, but they're not giving fiducia to it. They're not accepting it and, and confessing it with their mouth. So here we have the answer to the question, what is resurrection? It's in the person of Jesus Christ. It's in a belief that you have in him. It's in eternal life that you have uh, from the grave. It is the question that has been put to you, which you answered by saying, yes, Lord, I believe. Turn with me toward the end of the chapter then as we come to a, a close here of these thoughts. And let's read from verse 38 through 44, if you will. Jesus, therefore, again groaning himself, cometh to the grave. And it was a cave, and a stone was laid upon it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said, Lord, by this time he stinketh. He'd been dead four days. But Jesus said, Said I not unto thee that thou wouldest, uh, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? And no doubt Martha said, oh, I forgot. Yeah, yep, you're right. Then they took away the stone from the place of the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Isn't it interesting that Jesus has the kind of faith that we ought to have, and that is he begins to thank God before it happened. <laughs> He has the kind of faith that he knows what, that God will hear his words. And so he says in verse 42, I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Of course, Jesus knew what would happen to Lazarus. He knew what would happen to himself. He knew what would happen to every believer that puts their faith in him. But he said it so that we had it recorded, so that we could hear it. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
if the resurrection and the life says to a person who's dead, come back from the dead, come forth, there's nothing that that person can do but to come back from the dead. There's no other way of, around it. And of course, as I've said before, uh, many have pointed out, it's a good thing that he put the name Lazarus in front, of this, in front of this command, or every dead person would have had to come back. But one day, folks, that's the point. He's going to say that to all of us, isn't it? He's going to say, come forth, and there is no way we cannot come forth under the resurrection of life, we that know him by faith. He that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. <laughs> the, the grave can't hold you when that voice says, come forth. And his face was bound with a napkin, and Jesus said, loose him, let him go. Now, we know that he uh, resuscitated Lazarus, and that as he brought him back from the dead, Lazarus would die again, and Lazarus would be put in a tomb again. And Lazarus's bones are still in that tomb, though no doubt dust by now. But when Jesus was resurrected, then after that, those who are raised will be raised incorruptible, and uh, we will meet the Lord in the air. And so uh, one day he will say that, and they won't have to say, uh, loose him and let him go. <laughs> we won't come out of the grave bound with, with, with cloth. We will rise, and we will go immediately to be with the Lord. And so... Uh, what a great thing that is. Let me, let me remind you, though, of Jesus in, in John 5, where John recorded it this way. Marvel not that I, the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good, and he means by that, of course, accepting the gospel, the good thing. They that have done good will come forth under resurrection of life, but they that have done evil, meaning rejecting that gospel, unto the resurrection of damnation or judgment. And so everyone will come out of the grave eventually, first the believers at the first resurrection, and then all the rest, the unbelievers at the second resurrection, to be cast into a lake of fire. How sad, how terrible that would be. To hear a, a, an Easter message and to hear a message on resurrection and realize that, that your hope of eternal life is in that person and to reject that and suffer for that eternity uh, eternally, don't be like that. So will you die unbelieving? Will you die and come forth one day out of the grave but unto eternal death? Or will you die believing and at that instant, your spirit will be with the Lord, and one day your body also will come out of the grave, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. What a great message resurrection is. We always stand at the end of a, of a message, and we have what's called an invitation. Uh, we're glad for that. We have seen invitations from Billy Graham's crusades to your local church. We, we have seen invitations where people come and say, I want to receive Christ as Savior. And we always give such an invitation, both while we sing and even after we sing. And what we do at a time of invitation is merely take the Bible and show you what it says about how to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is what the Bible says. We're sinners. We call on Him and he becomes our savior. And that's what we do in invitation. Our invitation is open to you, or if you are hearing my voice and not in a church service, uh, then you may bow your head and ask Jesus Christ to become your savior even right now. 
and he will do it. Stand now with me if you will. And as we stand, let's bow our heads and let's prepare to sing. And let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his help and blessing on this time together. Now, Father, thank you for uh, the message that we have here over and over again in your scripture. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And we know, Father, that on that Easter morning, all they could say is, he's not here, he's risen. We thank you, Father, because we know that gives us the power and the person to have eternal life. And so, Father, I pray that even as that same gospel, that same message goes out all around the world today, that there would be those who know they need to accept Christ as Savior, and, and now, at this time, and when they hear it, place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I pray that that would be true both here and wherever the gospel is preached. So bless in this time as we think about those things and as we search our own hearts and know uh, for sure what we believe. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. John's going to come and lead us in a song. Our invitation's open even as we sing. I'm always at the front.